Hi, this is Brad. And this is Katie. And we're the hosts of Decomposition Decomposition Podcast. Podcast. I think considering the material we're working with, that language was neither shocking nor inappropriate. It's upsetting and delightful. Much like this song. Uh, No, it's just rhyming nonsense. Yeah. Here to hyperanalyze all your favorite terrible songs. From Billy Joel to Taylor Swift. And Pitbull to Kiss. We break down what makes these songs so, so good. While they're so, so bad. This is a postmodern commentary on human existence. Mm. Billy Shakespeare did write a whole, a whole bunch, bunch of sonnets, 154 to be exact. I am not suggesting that this is a good or artistic song in no. any way. It's not good, but, but it's, it's great. great. You can find us at decompositionpodcast.simplecast.fm or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Check out our new episodes every Monday and remember, they're not guilty pleasures if you don't feel guilty. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Christian. And this is an advert for Echo On, a, a true, true crime, crime podcast. podcast. We're a fortnightly podcast released every other Saturday where we talk about a variety of true crimes. Whether it's cults, con men, serial killers, and everything in between. So you can find us on all your usual podcast platforms. Or you can go to our website on www.echoonpod.com. Also on all your social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Echo On Pod. So please subscribe, download, and give us a listen. This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. Listening to In a City Like Yours, a semi monthly podcast featuring interesting people with interesting life stories. This podcast may contain language and or subject matter not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Michael G. Moore. Please visit our website at inacitylikeyours.com. That's I N A C I T Y L I K E Y O U R S dot C O M. For links to our social media, all popular podcast platforms, and links of interest pertaining to all episodes. On this episode, I chat with Steve. Steve is a true crime podcaster who produces the podcast True Crime Fix. One of Steve's main goals for his podcast is to have each episode highlight the victim's life instead of focusing on the killer, and he does this expertly. We talk about his early interest in true crime and the psychology behind the evil minds of the perpetrators as well as how to bring about meaningful change in some of the laws surrounding stalking and domestic abuse violence. Join us as we discuss all things true crime. Here is Steve's story. Hi, I'm Steve Burgess. I'm from High Wycombe in um, England, and I am the host of the True Crime Fix podcast. Um, We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. 
Um, and basically, me and Michael are going to have a chat today, and we're going to discuss about true crime, and we're going to discuss about how I actually got here with recording my podcast, because it's one long story, to be perfectly honest. The amount of bumps in the road, it's going to be a... It's going to be a ride that you guys are going to be really interested about hearing. So basically, I've always been interested in crime, basically from an early age. Um, the first experience that I had with crime was when I was about 10 years old. My parents and I, we used to go down to a local social club. And on the way home, we always used to have the radio on. Just hearing about the story, it was actually the story that I alluded to in my third episode which was the story of J.C. Sawyer, who was a man in Georgia who was killed by a British man. And over the periods of time, the British guy was trying to make out that he was the victim in the case. He, he did some absolutely dastardly stuff. If you actually listen to the episode, then you can hear what sort of stuff he did. But he tried to play off against the victim, saying that he shouldn't, um, he shouldn't have been executed, and it gripped me. I was 10 years old, and this is the first experience that I'd ever had with the, the idea that somebody was going to take somebody else's, uh, somebody else's life. This was back in 1995, and I got obsessed with, with crime from there on in because the idea that a country could actually kill somebody, I never knew about this. I mean, obviously, Britain had, the, had hanging, had capital punishment up until about... 1963 I think it was but that was that was way before my time so I obviously didn't experience it when the UK had uh, capital punishment so the the whole thing managed to really really grip me um I then didn't really go anywhere with true crime when I was when I was a child because it it was kind of considered a bit weird to be fair fortunately now with the obsession that has come since the start of podcasts and all these true crime documentaries that are on the television, I'm back in the norm again. And it's, it's really the fascination about how people can actually do what they do to each other. Um, I like to consider myself as a, a nice guy and the idea that somebody can actually have a mindset where they actually want to end somebody else's life. Um, so basically what happened was I took up refereeing, football refereeing, when I was 14 years old. And I did that for a number of years, got relatively high in in the levels, got to the stage where I was actually a member of my local county academy. But I was doing silly amount of games um, per year. And not, as it came to the summer and the pitches got harder and you had to keep running backwards and forwards and stopping and starting again it just took its toll on my legs and I would have to have times time off with things like shin splints and dodgy ankles and dodgy knees, etc. Um, which actually ended up culminating in 2015, but I'll get there in a minute. Whilst I was in sixth form, I did psychology as one of my subjects. And one of the cases that we studied when I was doing my psychology degree was that one of Kitty Genovese, which I also covered in um, episode five. That's how I actually learned about that case was, it was about bystander behavior, the way that people reacted when it came to an incident that took place and the way that they would treat people screaming. The fascination in that, it, um, 
it then went on to looking into other cases. One of the other cases that I studied when I was in sixth form was the case of Harold Shipman, because that was just coming to a coming to a head when I was when I was doing my psychology degree. Basically, it was it was a case where I went off and did a um, a, a case study on Harold Shipman, and I looked into aspects of his life that made him the way he was so for example he would have issues with his mother um he would have a narcissistic personality things like that then went on to university studied psychology and criminology at the um buckinghamshire chilton university college here in high wickham at that time i met paul Britton, who was a famous profiler on the rachel nickel case he was the person who was well, basically, he was infamous for setting a honey trap where um, a female police officer attempted to get the the person who was they suspect they suspected of doing the crime to to confess. But the way they did it, it was almost entrapment. So he was he was actually eventually struck off, but met him at a conference. So it was the idea of once again, I'd like to go into the to looking into criminal profiling. But eventually, criminal profiling, uh, I had to do a master's degree, and it would cost a, a lot of money to, to actually do it. So I decided, do you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the world of housing. Uh, it's a long way when, when you go from a, a world of crime and psychology and the way things, the way that people are, um, the way that people are acting and, and people watching to a, a world where you're looking after social housing tenants trust me it's a, it's a it's a massive difference so yeah i uh i went into social housing um i started listening to podcasts with pretty much everybody else with the adnan syed phenomenon which uh, happened through serial and undisclosed and um truth and justice with bob ruff they were the first three podcast that I really listened to then I got into case file and listened to the stories the way that the anonymous host of case file tells tells the story and it was the idea that one person could hold your could hold your attention for that long and it it was the first it was the first experience I remember where me and my now wife were going on a real long journey and neither of us spoke to each other for about an hour and a half because we were both gripped by one of his cases. And the idea that he could, that one person could hold somebody's attention like that, it, it blew me away. And then obviously got onto They Walk Among Us. Um, the idea that a British guy could actually do a true crime podcast then got my the cogs turning in my um, in my old brain. So I had to basically stopped going any higher with my refereeing in April of 2015. What happened was I was getting off a bus when I was on my way to work and I got knocked from behind um, by somebody who wasn't really paying any attention. They had their headphones in, didn't really notice me and they basically took me out from behind and I've taken a step off of the bus and my leg has caught the edge of the curb and my knee is basically bent backwards, which meant that I had MCL, ACL, and, mis and meniscus uh, damage, which kind of gave up, or I was I was out for about a year with that. 
and um, that kind of meant that I didn't really go much higher with that. So I was always looking for a new hobby, and yeah, true crime. Um, it was it was there for me. It was it was just as the podcasting world was taking off. I then had another incident in my life where I needed an escape. So um, I'm pretty sure that everybody will have heard of the Grenfell Tower incident in London. I was there on the day. Um, it was it was my old employer and I was there on the day. I should have actually been working there on the day. So woke up at five o'clock in the morning and my wife is telling me that um, I better turn the news on because there is a report of a fire in London. Um, turn it on, all of a sudden see this tower block on fire and I think to myself I really ought to get myself down there so 5 30 in the morning I've jumped in my car got there about quarter past six and um, I spent the day at the respite centers and from that I had rather significant anxiety attacks to an extent where I actually had a what what hasn't quite been diagnosed as PTSD but the, the doctors actually suggested that it might have been PTSD, considering I had a panic attack when I stood next to a bonfire in November of the same year. And I needed something as, a, as an escape. So what I did was I started looking into, into crime cases. That was back in November 2017. Never even really thought about doing a podcast back then. But it wasn't until later in April 2018 when I was actually on holiday with my wife, um, my best friend and her best friend who ended up being our maid of honor and best man. And we were in um, Malta and we decided we were going to do some, um, we were going to write ourselves a, a few things that we were going to do. I was going to do a 40 before 40. And one of the things that I had on there was the fact that I was going to write, produce and release my own podcast. Um, Ashley, who's my wife, she said that it would be a great idea for me to to use some of my sort of creative side of me to actually start writing it. And she guaranteed me that I would have at least one listener because she would listen to every episode, whether it were absolutely rubbish and nobody decided to listen to them or not. But she decided that she was going to um, she was going to support me all the way. So in October 2018, I got started on my first script. Um, my first script hasn't actually, ironically, hasn't actually been released yet. My first script is going to be my episode 10, which is going to be a case of Lee Rigby, who was a British soldier who was killed in a, in a hate crime incident um, in the centre of Greenwich. But um, I'm quite sure that we'll discuss that a bit later on. So that's how we got here. And I've, I've recorded my first episode. I remember recording my first episode, who was Zafia Safodska, who was somebody who was killed here in High Wycombe. Um, I recorded it on the 8th of January 2019 and I was in my garage. I believe it was about minus one centigrade um, and because obviously garages are not insulated it was freezing cold. My feet were freezing, my hands were freezing and I was just thinking to myself why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Um, Recorded a second episode again, but then released the one from uh, the one with Zafia 
and the one about Alrosa, the Alrosa Villa shooting. And the response that I've got and the friends that I've made, Michael, on Twitter, and also the girls from Our True Crime podcast and Steffi from um, One Eye Open, the Echo, the Echo Boys, it's been it's been well worth it. Um, as a one man band, I'm pretty sure you know yourself. As a one man band, it's really really hard to try and promote yourself, record, write, edit everything with regards to do to a podcast. But thoroughly enjoying it at the moment. Thoroughly enjoying it. True crime podcasts are just really hot, and um, I have trouble getting listeners for my podcast since it's not true crime. So uh, I think you're doing pretty good. Are you, You're at uh, episode six or seven? The one I released on Friday was episode seven, who was, um, yeah, who was Molly McLaren. Yeah, that was very um, hard to listen to, that episode. It was about stalking, which is, uh, it was. Which is not considered a, a very, I mean, I don't think police give that enough weight when someone's being stalked or domestic violence. That That's violence that is not really given the same weight as i don't know a stranger on stranger murder or whatever what what are your thoughts on that and and how it's being how the british police and how they accept stalking the way that i think that the british police accept stalking is i think that the that stalkers personally should be treated the same way that sex offenders are um they're they're quite easily available to put sex offenders on a register why can't they put um stalkers on a on a register i'm going to give you three three cases in example you've got obviously the case that i covered in in molly where the guy who's actually killed her has done the same sort of things not killed people but he's done the same sort of crimes uh, to two other girls both uh, one of which has reported it to the police the other one threatened him with basically if you do this again I will go to the police but I don't think I don't think that the British police take it as seriously as they should it's kind of a case where the the British police are, are looking at it of oh this person may be an ex-partner and not looking at it from a lot from a um, from a long standpoint I'm going to give you an example of another case that um, that was covered on um, Sword and Scale, but I've seen quite a bit of it on on documentaries over here, and that's the case of Alice Rudd, uh, Alice Ruggles. She was a girl who used to work for Sky. She had a boyfriend who was a soldier in Edinburgh, and he would basically control her to the extent where he ended up driving down. Um, she broke up with him and he ended up driving down from Edinburgh to, I believe she lived in Newcastle, to stab her to death in her own kitchen because she was meeting up with somebody else. It's it's kind of a case where these guys, they, they can't accept no for an answer. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've all had rejection in our lives. We've all had the rejection in our lives and we've all maybe said a few things about females that may not have been completely respectful, but we're never going that far. 
never, never going that far. If if somebody accept somebody accepts it, you badmouth them behind their back to to an extent, but just leave it at that. You know, you just talk amongst your friends, but you never get to the stage where you want to want to kill somebody. I I can't fathom that in my head. I, I really can't fathom it. Um, it's but there's so many cases now. One of the things that's massive in the UK at the moment is all these stabbings. I've I've said from from a for a long while that unfortunately we live in the PlayStation and Xbox generation where a lot of these kids think to themselves, all you've got to do is switch it off and switch it back on again. And these people, you know, these people are going to come back to life like they do in the Xbox in the Xbox and PlayStation games. It doesn't work like that. But I honestly, I honestly think with regards to stalking, and the one, there's one person who I really, really need to say has done a fantastic job, and that's Laura Richards. She has done quite a bit for stalking in the United Kingdom and in the United States. I believe she's set up Paladin. Um, yeah, she, she, who has is, a, uh, she has. She's in a podcast as well, Real Crime Profile. She is, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I, uh, I have a lot of respect for her because... In fact, actually, Real Crime Profile was the podcast which gave me the influence of fo- of focusing my stories from the the perspective of the victim, because, as I said in my intro episode, it's kind of a case where everybody knows Ted Bundy. How many of Ted Bundy's victims can you name? Everybody knows about the Son of Sam. Everybody knows about um, the the BTK. How many of their how many of their victims can you name? So that's why my podcast goes from the from the standpoint of the victim, and and that is thanks to the Real Crime Profile um, podcast because the way that they covered the Oscar Pretorius case and the re- with focusing it on Rena Steenkamp, it 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 held me, it gripped me, and that was the way that was the way that I thought to myself, right, this is the way that I have to go because too much attention is being given to these people who are committing these heinous acts. So they're going to be the ones that are remembered. But these people who are unfortunately either in the ground or have been cremated, where's their voice? You know, and that's why I've gone from from the standpoint that I think I should focus on the victims. And with regards to stalking, who knows? When is it going to be, when is it going to be a serious, a, a, as serious a crime as, as, they, as I said earlier, as, be, as being a sex offender? It's, it's, it's still still an offense where the person who is the victim either ends up dead or they are mentally scarred for the rest of their lives so how how long are countries going to accept that we need to do something more drastically when when it comes to stalking um i could list i I could list cases for days about stalking and as i said in my last podcast the the job that I do at the moment, I only see the aftermath. So I, I sometimes see people who come into our office who've been the victim of domestic violence, who've been stalked and need to need rehoming because they've finally got away from their abuser. So I only ever see the aftermath and I see the damage that it does to these people. And to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. The way I see some of some of these the, especially ladies who come into the office. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So I, I would love to see 
somebody who actually has some clout when making laws to sit and talk to victims about what they've gone through and then they might actually understand the seriousness of this offense let's talk about your process and producing your show how do you what what do you use for materials are you do mostly computer uh, research or do you do books or both or so I I do do any um, any material that's available to me basically I always start with a with a with a good old-fashioned Google search see what you can pick up and then if I find that there's a book um, I've used books on a few of my podcasts so the ones like like I used um, a book for Colette Aram I've used a book for the case of Jackie Paul I've used a book for the case of Lee Rigby but I also uh, use documentaries as well so if there's any documentaries on the subjects I will watch them Um, there's a case coming up that I'm going to be covering which there was a, a a biographical film written about it so I'll make sure that I watch that it's kind of a case where I digest everything that I can about this um, about this case and pick up bits from books bits from newspapers bits from if for example um, there's a charity set up in the name of the victim you can usually look at the website and you find quite a bit of information with regards to that person I would pick up information from um, if, for example, there's another podcast on, on the on the subject, I may go out and listen to that because that's one of the other things that I do. I don't want to cover the same sort of cases that everybody else is covering. So the first thing that I do is I search. If I, if I find a case that I'm interested in covering, I go and search the Apple podcasts. I go and search Stitcher. I go and search Google and try and find out if there's another podcast about the person. If there's two, three, four, five podcasts about this person, I move on because I'm I'm sure that there's other people's stories that I need to tell. So I would move on and and move on to another case where not so it's not so well known. But if there are if there are other other podcasts, then I would listen to them, try and get a bit of information out of them. And then what I would normally do is I would collate I would probably say I spend three, four days researching the case, um, collate it all into one document. And then what I would do is I would split it, have seven documents. I would, I would split it up, for example, into um, about the victim, anything that's known about before the crime, about their life, for example, anything that I can find about the actual crime itself, anything about the investigation, I try and include anything that I can with regards to the funeral because I feel that if you can include any information with regards to the funeral, it kind of brings it back to making it personal about the victim. So I'm, I'd see if I can find anything about the funeral, like, for example, the dates where it was held, um, anything that was specific about that, about that, um, about that, uh, that event. And then I would go onto the court I would go onto the court side of things, anything that I could find about the court, uh, the court case. So I would, I, in some of my podcasts, I've gone quite deep into the court process. And it, you often find from court documents that there's a lot, inf- a lot of information. For example, the case that I was mentioning earlier about um, Nicholas Ingram and uh, J.C. Sawyer. 
a lot of the information that I got from there was from um, an appeal that was lodged with the, the state of Georgia. So I got a lot of information from the court documents from there. And then what I would do is um, I would find out if there's anything like, for example, the aftermath. So like a case that I've just um, that I've just recorded literally today, I've got a case where I've got a lot of information from the the family of the victim talking about what effect the the whole process or the the whole crime um, investigation and the legal process has had on them and I would then try and end it with that because once again it gives a personal sort of side of things to it I would I would then what I would do is I'd place it into into like a, a an order fact checking everything um collate it into a sort of an order where I I've got a logical running a running order what I would normally then do then is I would print off that word document and I would sit with a good old-fashioned pencil, read the thing aloud, um, because when you read things on paper, it's completely different to when you read things aloud, because what you may see on paper is what you are saying in your head. Then when you get into the studio to read it out and you read it out loud, it kind of sounds stupid. So you, you need to read it out loud and edit it before you get into the studio, because you then... A lot, a lot of times that I've done, especially with my first few episodes, is I've waste, I've wasted a lot of time recording and re-recording the cases because you think to yourself, that sounds really, really good. You record it, and then what I do is I I convert the MP, uh, I convert it to an MP3 file, put it on a um, a Google Drive, and I've got an hour and a half drive in the morning to to work. So what I do is I would put my I would put my story that I've just recorded onto um, onto my podcast, uh, onto my radio in the car, and listen back to it. And I I would think I always like to think to myself that the worst critic of yourself is always yourself. I can t- I can tell you there's been times when I've actually shouted at myself at my own at my own podcast because it's it's not come out the way that I've wanted it to. So what I've then had to do is I've had to go home and rather than edit the podcast, I would go back and re-record it. And sometimes the process of recording a podcast can take an hour and a half, two hours. And then obviously you've got the editing on top of that. Um, I would say, so for example, I've recorded a case this morning, which is is an example of what I've just said about the fact that I'd recorded it previously and listened to it and thought to myself, this sounds absolutely terrible. So I, I don't want to put out, I I know I don't get paid for it. I know that it's, it's just a hobby, but I still have my own standards to keep to. So what I did was I realized that it was no, I, I realized that it sounded no good and that's me in my own head. And I'm thinking to myself, if it don't sound any good to me, then what are the people that are on, you know, what are the people that are on Twitter? What are the people that are on Reddit going to say? And I I kind of overanalyzed it from that sort of aspects of things. And I re-recorded it. And this morning, I would say that the re-recording of it has gone from probably about a four or a five out of 10 to probably about a seven or an eight. You never, you never think to yourself that what I've released is is perfect. I mean, the closest thing to... The closest thing to 
an episode that has hit home to what I wanted it to be which was my last one so yeah the 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 whole process I would say of actually recording a podcast this is around a nine to five job as well inc- which includes three hours travel I would say is probably three weeks start to finish till you're actually ready to release it but the thing is that I need to I need to try and get some in advance so for example if if something happens to me like um like what's happened to Steffi from um the one I open pod pod which may I just say if if she does listen to this get well soon Steffi because she's ended up in in hospital um with a bad throat so it's kind of a case where if I if I get myself in a situation where I'm ill or I lose my voice which was very much the case yesterday nearly when I went to go and watch um, when I went to go and watch the football I was shouting so much I nearly lost my voice yesterday but if I get to the stage where I need to take a break I've got a couple I've got a couple of episodes that I am ahead so if I want to take if I want to take a long weekend off for example and not do anything because the majority of my stuff is done at a weekend the majority of my stuff is done when I actually get free time to myself whether it be my lunch hour whether it be when um my wife's sitting and watching trashy tv it's it's kind of a case where i just sit on on my phone do as much research as i can do as much writing as i can but the thing is i i sometimes look at this as a second job but unpaid but the thing is that once i would i would never stop doing this if or i'd never do this if i didn't enjoy it the one thing that i do enjoy is knowing that people are actually listening to me out there i mean i i don't know what sort of setup you you have when you're recording but i'm i'm currently at the moment when i'm talking to you i'm sitting in a box that has been made for me by my wife which is an mdf um it's it's about the size of a portaloo um made out of an mdf which has got soundproofing all around it um and the idea that I'm just talking to myself in a microphone, it's quite scary. But when you know, when you see the reactions, for example, on Twitter, on Facebook, etc., that people have really enjoyed your work, that's when it, it makes you think to yourself, yeah, I want to carry on with this. I'm really enjoying it. But the, the one thing that I, I really need to do, I don't know whether you've noticed it with, with the way that I'm talking to you now, I often talk very, very, very fast and the one thing that I need to do when I'm when I'm recording my podcast is I have to appreciate that there's there's people across the world that don't understand my accent, that don't understand um, that don't understand what I'm saying if I say it so fast. So I have to deliberately make a conscious effort to slow down and make a conscious effort to actually try and not talk with my normal accent and try and talk to talk to you as if I'm a broadcaster. It, it's it's just things that you just learn and you just pick up. How about your uh, theme music? Uh, did you write that, or did someone <laughs> write it for you? Or no, 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 no. So basically, what happened with my theme music was um, I didn't expect anybody to listen to me. As I said to you earlier, I didn't expect anybody to listen to me. And what happened was I I I needed some theme music, and I I didn't even think about it. So what I did was I went on to one of these websites that you that you license free music, and 
I just heard this one that was like a creepy circus and I thought to myself, oh, I absolutely love that. So what I did was I, I put it as my, I put it as my theme tune, did it for about four episodes. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, I don't really think that that theme music fits with my episodes. So yeah, um, this is, this is a, a world exclusive. My theme music will be changing from episode 13 because um, that was when I planned on finishing my first season, but I don't really think that the creepy circus is going down too well with people, to be honest. How about your incidental music? Did you get that at the same on the same website? So basically, what happened with with the with the with the rest of the music that I use, I had no idea how to edit a podcast. And um, one of the guys who I am very close with, once again, who was in my wedding party. He works as a voiceover artist, so he's got access to all the websites with regards to to music and stuff like that. So he gave me um, he gave me some music to use, and the yeah fun, funny little anecdote for you. So my wife, um, she first of all didn't understand what ambience meant. So when I was talking to her about ambience music, she thought I'd said ambulance music. So she genuinely said to me. Why do you want to stick throughout your podcast, Ninor, Ninor? So she genuinely thought that I'd said ambulance music rather than ambience music. And I'm pretty sure she's going to kill me for actually saying that. To the extent, Michael, where you might actually be able to write your own first true crime podcast about me where when I've been murdered by my wife, to be fair. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so she's... um. Yeah, she's but she's been really, really supportive of me. Uh, she really has. But the music that I, I got, I basically, um, I, I went to Alex, who was the guy who's been doing a lot of my editing for my first um, couple of episodes. And he, he basically has told me that, you know, if I don't like what I'm saying in my in my episode, all I have to do, just simple clap. Because what happens is on the on the the sound graph, it comes up as a as a straight line, so you can see where you've made mistakes with regards to your editing. So what I would so I, what I would do is I would go through, and um, I'd ed- edit it from that, and then he's taught me how to sort of do a multi-tracks mix where I can put my my backing music and my um, my end music, and I've got to the extent where. I the one bit of the end of my podcast to it which I love doing is take care of everybody and then just getting the drop of the end music just just to hit just after I've said take care everybody because I I just like the sound of it I'm I'm not very musical myself I've tried I've tried to um play guitar I've tried to play drums I've tried to do all of that sort of stuff so I'm I'm not very musical myself but I know that when I listen to I listen to it, I've got to make sure that the that the mixing is is fine because the one thing you will know the one thing that you notice, especially with some podcasts that have really really good stories, but then they lack in the editing sometimes. I mean, fortunately, it's none of the ones that I really listen to, but it's kind of a case where you you notice that. People are, try, are over trying doing what they're doing with the music, and it all you need. It, people are here to listen to your voice. As long as you've got something in the background that kind of hides the, I'm I'm sitting in a garage, and I can guarantee you nine times out of ten, I will either have an aeroplane flying over, I will have a helicopter, I will have anything like that. 
I've just got that little bit of music in the background just to mask any noises. Like like I've got a heater in the garage as well. Every now and then it just keeps clicking. You know, it just it just hides the the impurities in the background. And that's all that's all I use the backing music for. If it adds to the podcast, then fantastic, you know. Uh, but that was the whole aim of of putting the backing music in initially, was to try and hide the impurities of of, of what was going on, um, especially when I didn't have the soundproofing. I've got the soundproofing now. I've got a reasonable mic now. But when I had um, when I had the impurities, it it just masked them basically. But yeah, I mean, with regards to if. <laughs> I, I'm now starting to think to myself, you know, if I've got people that really want to listen to this, I'm going to have to start changing a few things. So, you know, I'm like, for example, in my last episode, I've I've tried experiencing, uh, I've tried experimenting, sorry, with um, I stuck the Scottish national anthem in over the over the bit about the funeral. So it's kind of a case of just a bit of trial and error, see how it see how it sounds. So maybe it might be a case where in the in the long run if i've got a bit that's that's leading up to a bit dramatic then i might change the music in the background but my main focus at the moment is the story and focusing on the victims and then and then the rest of the production of the podcast although it's important comes secondary so you use a, a condenser mic um i'm not 100 percent sure what mic this is this is because i'm talking to you on it at the moment i'm yes i'm using a condenser mic i'm not 100 percent sure what microphone it is but it's it's one that my um one that my friend has, has recommended to me it's what it's the same one that he uses when he does his um he does his voiceover art so what i do is i sit here with with the microphone on the arm with the um with the pop mic uh with the with the pop filter sorry over the mic i've got my ipad to the left hand side of me which holds the holds the script and then i've got the laptop underneath the desk that's that's basically all all my equipment is it's nothing flashy i've got a um i'm not even 100 percent sure what they what they call it but it's it's one of those things like a relay thing where you can hear automatically what you're saying through your headphones into the microphone but i've got one i've got one of those as well i'm not it it may as i say i i'm not very technologically sort of um expert when it comes to these sort of things it's kind of a case where i just went to my mate what do i need and how much is it going to cost me? And and he sort of sorted me out with, with the with the equipment. And I had a I had a change of equipment from episode four onwards. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that the quality of the actual recording is is a lot better than it was. Uh, just for the listeners, the difference between a condenser mic and a dynamic mic. A condenser mic is what maybe the radio station uh, DJs use. You have a broader range of tone. Uh, a, a dynamic mic is a mic that usually a singer in a band would use. That uh, it is develop its main purpose is to pick up just the voice of the singer and not the back, not the other musicians playing around them. So uh, with a condenser mic, you may pick up the airplanes and the car going down the street and the the heater coming on and going off. With the dynamic mic, uh, you have to talk really close to it, and it will you're less likely to pick up the the music outside the ambient sounds from uh, around you How, why don't you uh talk about when you produce your show when is it released uh 
is it every Friday, every other Friday, so that the listeners will know when to tune in to your newest episodes? Yeah, sure. So the last episode was released um, two days ago now. So I, I try and release, or I've set my um, episodes to release every other Friday. The reason I've done that is so that I can actually write in between. If I ever get to the stage where I've got anybody who wants to assist me with um, with writing cases and things like that, I may eventually get to a stage where I can release it once a week, but I'm going to stick at the moment, especially with my, my day job, I'm going to stick to two weekly on a Friday. Um, as I said earlier, available on all of the podcasts on all of the podcatchers, things like iTunes, Stitcher, um, Spotify, things like that. So I'm going to give you um, another exclusive, Michael. Here you go. So I'm going to go through the the next couple of cases that I'm going to be covering. The case that I'm going to be covering uh, in two weeks' time is um, the case of Joanna Yeats, who was a girl who lived in Bristol in England and she went missing around about Christmas time and the landlord was the one who was deemed as the main suspect of the case and the British press had an absolute field day with him because he was, shall we say, to be politely, a little extravagant in his appearance and the, the podcast is going to go into the whole of the background of her, her relationship with her boyfriend and the, the whole thing of her going missing, then the, the investigation into the landlord and the, the eventual outcome, etc. She was unfortunately found on Christmas Day. So it was, it was a case where can you really imagine the every Christmas now for that family it's rather than Christmas being a time of year that families can celebrate and spend time together. Every Christmas day now is an anniversary of your daughter's death. And it's, it's, it looks at the kind of, um, kind of the ways that um, the police carried out the investigation and the way that the media actually hampered the investigation to the extent where the landlord I don't want to go into too much detail because obviously that nobody will listen to it, but the landlord ended up on the, um, on the Levingston inquiry, which was an inquiry for everybody who else is listening. It was an inquiry in the UK, which um, basically looked into the way that the media conducted themselves. It was, the, it was looking into phone tapping and um, things like that, that was done by the news of the world um, and other newspapers to be fair. And it it focused on it focused on the way that the 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 papers conducted themselves, and the way that they didn't go gung ho into assuming guilt before innocence sort of thing. So yeah, that's my next case, and then uh, the case after that is going to be the case of um, Lindsay Ann Hawker, who was a British girl who went out to teach. English in Japan and um, she was murdered by somebody who she was giving an English lesson to and basically she it was about a three-year investigation before they ended up catching the guy Um, once again the the podcast goes into um, her life her 
her passions and it tells the story about the the pain and anguish that her family went through and in particular the expense because this is one of the things that people don't don't look at for example the media and the public in particular are very very quick to jump on the back of people that they see regularly in the media who are looking for people and i'm going to use the mccanns as a prime example now everybody looks at the mccanns and they think to themselves how much are they enjoying the limelight when you think to yourself now i'm I'm going to be careful when I say this because you've got to think you've got to think to yourself about this the the circumstances behind their daughter going missing. But you think to yourself that their daughter has gone missing. You are going home from a holiday without one of your loved ones that you went out there with. And the 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 backlash that they suffer was very similar to the backlash that the the hawkers suffered when they went over to Japan because they kept wanting Lindsay's case to be in the, in the spotlight because they wanted to find her murderer, obviously. And they got a lot of abuse, but what they don't real or what people don't realize is the fact that yes, they were in the media a lot, but the search for Lindsay or sorry, the f- search for Lindsay's killer cost them over a hundred thousand pounds in airfares between the uk and uh tokyo and then obviously um the the it's time off from work and the a lot of the japanese public were blaming or 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 saying to them that you're enjoying the publicity that's coming with the with the murder of your daughter which which i think is crazy i mean i've I've never had the thing where I've never had the feeling where I've had a friend go missing and I've never had the the feeling where um, I've not known what's happened to a loved one. And I hope, fingers crossed, touch wood, touch everything that's around here, that never happens to me because I don't know how I deal with it. And I, I would search to the end of the earth and I would make sure that I'm I'm everywhere. I mean, I'm I'm bad enough on Twitter advertising my podcast. I'd dread to think what I would be like if I actually had to try and find, um, if I had to actually try and find um, a, a family member. I would make sure that I'm on every single news newspaper front of every single newspaper. I'm on the the front of every single talk show. I would make sure that everybody knew that my loved one was missing. So how people can actually criticise families for um, for wanting attention about the missing loved one either to find the body find the killer or find the person i I don't think anybody should ever criticize anybody for for always being out there i really don't um yeah and then as i said earlier episode 10 um i'm going to finally get to release my case about lee rigby i've been a bit i've been a bit cautious in in relation to the um release of the episode about lee rigby because of the nature of the crime and the fact that it was based around uh, the, the killing was actually based around religion. Um, so if for anybody who's not aware of the, of the case, he was basically he was a um, he was a UK soldier who was hacked to death, I think 
the the best expression is in the middle of the uh, in broad daylight in Greenwich. Um, he was killed by two guys who were claiming to have committed the murder for Allah. Now, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying my best to kind of tone down that episode as best I can so that I don't offend anybody. But it was one of those it was one of those episodes or sorry, it was one of those cases where it stood out. Um, it stood out to me. I was in Egypt at the time when this murder took place. And I can remember packing my suitcase and all I had on in the background was the fact that this guy had been brutally murdered in the middle of a London street in broad daylight in front of a bus. Once again, I, the whole episode goes into into the what happened to him and um, the the side of things with the aftermath and there's quite a bit about Lee in that book as in that uh, um in that podcast as well because of the book that his um mum released so I've got it quite a bit of information from that case but it it was kind of one of those ones where as a brand new podcaster you you kind of don't want to throw out a incredibly controversial case as one of your first few that you release because any any listeners that you may have had, you don't want to kind of isolate anybody because you don't want you've got to try and be able to have a little bit of experience about writing scripts, etc., before you can release a case like that because you need to need to be able to report the facts, but make sure that the facts are not too inflammatory, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Um to close out, why don't you give uh, give advice to uh, anyone who may be thinking of starting a podcast, true crime or whatever? Uh, what would you tell them that you've now learned that you wish you had known before you started? I wish that I'd known how long it was actually going to take. Um, basically, I would say to anybody who wants to um, start a true crime podcast or any podcast at all, is you need to be aware how much time you will be spending on this thing and how much of your social life and normal life that you'll be giving up, how much time you'll be isolating yourself from, from situations because of the research that you're having to do because of the, because of the, the investigations that you have to do. For example, if you want to do an investigation um, story into investigations, you need to be able to concentrate as much as possible on that, on that, on that case, because, the thing is, I, the thing I've learned is that unless you're going to release regularly, you're not going to be able to get the um, you're not going to be able to get the the audience based. And as I say, I started this as a hobby. I really did, and I I thought probably ten people, including my parents and my wife, would listen to it. At the last count, I was averaging nearly six hundred downloads an episode, which which is astronomical compared to what i thought i was going to get i know that obviously you've got you've got podcasts with bigger budgets and bigger um bigger advertising side of things that that are getting much more than that but for an indie podcast i'm quite impressed i'm quite impressed with with the way that i'm going and also the fact that my voice has been heard in 32 countries it becomes an obsession it really does your podcast becomes an obsession Michael, I'm sure you'll back me up on this one, that you do spend so much time on Twitter. You spend so much time on Facebook. 
and you spend so much time thinking to yourself, is what I'm doing good enough? You know, am, am I really, are, are people really being this nice to me um, via social media, but behind my back, they're thinking to myself, what an absolute pile of crap. You know, it, it's it's kind of one of those things where you, it, it brings out a lot of, a lot of feelings in yourself that you have a lot of doubt. For example, I'm, I don't know, I don't know how you feel, but sometimes when I'm recording my podcast, I have red light syndrome. So I would, I would have, I would be able to perfectly form a sentence, but the second I hit that record button, all of a sudden I forget how to speak and I am, I'm having to edit left, right and center. So the one thing I would say to anybody who's producer who's, wants to record their own podcast is don't worry about making mistakes mistakes can be ironed out in the final edit it happens to the best of us you literally you i couldn't even say my own name this morning it took me three attempts to introduce my own podcast you know it happens like that i would say to you i would say to yourself as well i'd say to you as well make sure that you get a break because if you don't you will start resenting what you love doing if you start resenting what you love doing then you don't enjoy it so much and you'll just find that releasing an episode will be a chore and it will show in your work if you are half if you are half arsing everything then you know it, it is a case where it will come across in your work you need to be able to dedicate the time to it and you need to also if you can get somebody else to check your work because what you may think is absolutely fantastic. Um, a prime example of that was I thought to myself the other day that I would release a tribute episode to the people who had been killed in the, um, in the mosque attack in New Zealand. And I wrote something, I recorded something and I sent it to somebody to listen to. And they were like, don't release it don't release it. It sounds horrible. It sounds as if you're trying to cash in on a, on a tragedy. When I wasn't, all I was trying to do was try and pay homage to, I mean, the the people who were actually killed in that incident, nobody knew, once again, nobody knew their names, but they knew, they knew about the guy who's gone in and, and shot up the, shot up the mosque. So I did, I, I tried to release an episode on that and I sent it to somebody who said, don't release it. Don't release it. You'll, you'll cause yourself more issues than you will. You'll cause yourself more issues than what you're actually trying to desire, what your, your desired sort of effect is. So I would say to, I would say to everybody, try and focus on something that you really enjoy as well. For example, I, I could probably do a podcast on true crime. I could probably do a podcast on the NFL. I could probably do a podcast on wrestling um, but you have to try and find something that you really, really, really enjoy because you need to be able to talk about it passionately. And as I say, it will become a second job. It will become your second life. You need to be able to give that as much love and affection that you would give a family member. You really do. My wife, we've been married for um, eight and a half months now. And she starts to think I'm, neglect I'm neglecting her and I the conversations around the house mainly mainly focus around the podcast they really do and you know it's always a constant case of oh we've got to watch that because I need to research something to do with the podcast tonight or the, look at this lovely review that I've received on 
um, on iTunes or these these people have said something absolutely amazing about me on their podcast. Like when I, I had a review or, or I had a, a, a little thing on um, on the Our True Crime podcast, they they said something about me, which was really, really nice. And I, I tried to play it to my wife and she's not, oh, not the bloody podcast again. You know, it's it, it does take over your life. This is a thing as well. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of your podcasts and to be perfectly honest, I really, really enjoy them because they're a complete um they're a complete break away from what I'm used to listening to. I mean, for example, I, I listened to that one on astronomy the other the other day. And I was sitting on the train and and I'm a Pisces myself. So I was sitting on the train and I was thinking to myself, yeah, everything everything that Rachel is saying now about what a Pisces is, I'm it, it describes me perfectly, and I was listening to you as well. And you, you said when when she spoke about what what um, what there was about you, you were like, "Yeah, that's that's me, that's me, perfectly down to a T." Um, so I think that especially with your podcast, you've got such a range of wonderful, amazing topics that that you can cover. You're not restricted to the one genre. You are co- you are covering so much. You've got such a diverse sort of range of things to cover. And it, it's kind of th- one of those things where you, you want to tune in the next week because, for example, you've gone you've gone from a guy who's who's looking for his family across the United States to an astrology uh, to an astrology podcast to to having a host of a true crime podcast on on your on your show you know it's kind of it's kind of i i would love to know what's coming next because the way that you conduct your podcast and the way that you interview your your guests it, it's it's such a great listen it really is buddy well thank you so much and i certainly appreciate you coming on my show uh it's been a wonderful conversation uh is there anything else you'd like to add before we go um, once again, just just literally, if you want to come and have a listen, I'm on iTunes. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at True Crime Fix Pod on Twitter. If you want to come and follow me on Facebook, it's True Crime Fix Podcast on Facebook. Or there's also True Crime Fix Discussion, which is a closed group. So if you want to post things in there, um, you're more than welcome to. And it's it's in regards to anything that's in related to true crime, especially the discussion group, because I'm quite happy to discuss anything with anybody. And it, as you've probably picked up, um, if as you've probably picked up in this um, in this podcast, I I don't have any issue talking to anybody. And th- that's another thing when, with regards to what you were saying earlier about any any advice to anybody who's doing their own podcast don't be afraid to talk to people don't think to yourself that i'm too busy to interact with people who want to listen to you that's the one thing i would say to you and that's the one joy that you get out of this out of this um this business that we do it's interacting with people and the the banter that you have with people on um online especially on twitter and things like that it really does make your day and especially when you when you continue a thread with people and and just just talking to new people from across the world i would recommend anybody if you've got a subject and you've got the time go ahead and release a podcast i really would